Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I am your host, Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by Jason Campbell, here to talk about everything Auburn. And today's episode might as well be called What the Frick is Happening in College Football? Because every time we do an episode, a lot of things have changed. And this week is no different. As you all know, the schedule has finally been released in the SEC, but the Big Ten and Pac-12 ain't playing. So uh, the conference is certainly moving forward, and we're grateful for that. But the landscape of college football is going to look quite different moving forward. So Jason and I are are just going to kick it. The two of us today, we are going to recap all of the news that has transpired and look ahead towards season now that we know more what it's going to look like. So my man here is uh, full of some waffles and bacon. So you should be, you know, real energized for this one, Jason. Yeah, I'm I'm energized, Taylor. You know, I always (laughs) look forward to doing an episode with you on here. I get a chance to talk college football and do something I enjoy. And also... What better way to be bringing the news from Taylor Beth Davis and Big Smooth J Cam? So, you know, we like to bring it. We like to bring y'all the news in depth. And uh, today is just the two of us, which is awesome. It's great, anyways. And we yes. have a guest. It's great, but hey, it's nothing wrong with sometimes just the two of us, like Will Smith said back in the day on his song. Just I love the two that. Of us. So. I love it, and I couldn't agree more because there is certainly a good bit to talk about, and we don't have to cut it short on our recap today. So. That's going to be great. Well, obviously, the big news as of Monday is the release of the SEC schedule. And uh, so we know what our Tigers season is going to look like. God willing, there are no detours because of COVID. And we will actually get to see all of these games happen. So Monday night on the SEC Network, the entire conference schedule was released. So if you've been living under a rock and have not seen it, it is everywhere. Social media, TV, you can find it anywhere. But we're just going to talk about the Tigers schedule. Obviously, some different things that are going to happen this season. We've got some newness that we'll have to get used to but let's break this one down a little bit let's start week one home game versus Kentucky so this is going to be our season opener against Kentucky who we don't often get to see it will be at home in Jordan Hare which will be awesome I think a really interesting aspect to this one is we are still awaiting the NCAA's decision on Joey Gatewood's eligibility. And uh, Joey Gatewood, in case you guys don't know, was our backup quarterback who entered the transfer portal last season. It was kind of a bit of a controversy. A lot of people were disappointed to see him go, but understood because he wasn't getting any kind of uh, usage and Gus Malzahn wasn't really utilizing him in the way that people felt he could be used. So he transferred to Kentucky and Man, if he's eligible, that just adds another level of of interest to this matchup. Yeah, it does. And uh, plus, it, it puts an emphasis on this matchup a lot more, too. And and it makes it a little bit more exciting to watch. You know, Auburn last time they opened up with Kentucky, I believe it was 1988. Uh, so it's been a long time. And then the simple fact that, yes, Joey Gatewood was on the staff. I mean, was on the team. 
And I think a lot of the Auburn fans, the reason a lot of them was kind of upset with him was because he left during the season. You know, at yeah. the same time, you know, the kid was in a tough situation. I think the, the straw that really did it all, I think, was the LSU game where he was in a short yardage goal line situation. And uh, you can tell it was Joey's package to go in. And then, uh, you know, Gus kind of reached him and grabbed him to come back at that time. And then at that time, you saw the communication between them two not be the same. And, uh, and you know, they ended up having a meeting and, and then everything and talked it out. But it eventually, you know, it broke. And, uh, you know, Joey decided to, to move on. And, you know, at this point, kids are transferring all the time. And, and they're trying to put themselves in a position to be successful because so many emphasis now put on pressure, put on these kids to make it to the next level so early now in their college careers. Like, they don't right. feel like they have the time to groom or to blossom. So, you know, he wants to go somewhere he can instantly have a shot. And, uh, you know, he's in Kentucky. So, and the other interesting thing about this matchup, Taylor, to me is, Coach Eddie Grant, he was the offense coordinator at Kentucky. You know, he was at Auburn as my running backs coach for four years when I was there. You know, he spent about 10 to 12 years at Auburn with Coach Tuberville. So him coming back, you know, he understands what it's like and what Auburn football means. So those guys will be prepared. And their offense has been doing pretty good over the last couple of years. And with us replacing a lot of defenses starters, this is going to be a big game for us right out the gate. And, uh, and I think it's one that – you're going to have to learn how to amp yourself up as a football player because you're not going to be able to feed off 86,000 fans. Right. I think that even if Joey Gatewood is not eligible for this one, Kentucky's quarterback, Terry Wilson, is a very good athlete. And some of you will remember last season, he went down with a really bad injury, was out for the rest of the season. I was actually covering that game when he went down and it just let the air out of the team. It was incredibly tough. Lynn Bowden had to finish the season for them, who was actually a wide receiver. He played quarterback in high school and ended up having to fill in for Terry Wilson, also known as Terry Touchdown. And this guy comes back for his senior season. So I think Kentucky comes in here with a lot of motivation, a lot of aspects that they're not a sleeper team. I think that we have seen them try to kind of gain traction in the East. They're not quite where they need to be to be, you know, matching Florida and Georgia, but they're right on the cusp. And, and they've got a guy, A.J. Rose, in the backfield as running back. He's no Benny Snell, don't get me wrong, but they've got some weapons in Kentucky. And so I think that this home opener is actually going to be a good test for us. So I look forward to seeing that one at the beginning. I won't be surprised if that's that gets the primetime or even the CBS slot when you look at the other SEC matchups that week. So we move on to week two, and uh, we better be freaking ready because week <laughs> two is at – Georgia people, we will have just one game under our belt, really just a month of practice for these guys. And we've got to go into Athens. And that is the earliest that we have played the Deep South's oldest rivalry since 1892. This oh, game geez. is always toward the end <laughs> of the season, at least the middle. It was already going to be moved into October. This was a decision that was made prior to all this chaos. But now you add in a late start to the season, basically no off season. And we've got Georgia week two. Yeah, that's going to be a difference. Uh, the fact that we are playing this game so early in the year is almost just mind boggling. But yeah. at the same time, this is 2020. A lot of changes happened in 2020. And this seems to be the year of a lot of changes. So guess what? We have to adapt and move forward as well. So for all the Auburn guys that's on our football team, half the football team is from Georgia. So, which makes this game even more from a standpoint 
means a lot early and often in the year. And there's no room for, okay, we get, we play Kentucky. No, we don't play someone like Alcorn, and then all of a sudden you can play some other guys. And You have to come out week one against Kentucky ready to play, and then you have to build yourself up the next week to get ready to play again against Georgia. So there are no days off this season. And we have to got it. We have got to come ready because the good thing for us in this situation, Taylor, which I really like, is because Georgia wasn't able to have a spring with their new quarterback, and mm-hmm. they weren't able really to have a summer either. So we're going into this game where we're going to catch them early before they get going. So this may be working. It may work out in our favor for us. Yeah, and Georgia's going to have some moving pieces, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, like you said. The, the new quarterback, actually, they had two high-profile transfer quarterbacks in the offseason, Jamie Noonan from Wake Forest and JT Daniels from Southern Cal. So they're going to be, you know, at a disadvantage in that realm, just kind of getting things working on that. And then their offense is going to look different this year under new coach Munkin. So there are moving pieces in Athens where their strength continues to be is obviously at running back and the defensive side of the ball. They pretty much have all their returners on the defense. So that is going to be a very tough test for Bo Nix and this new Chad Morris offense. Kind of parallel stories in that regard. Obviously, we have the the quarterback who's been there for a year, but a lot of newness. And so seeing that work out in week two, when you really didn't have a chance to work out the kinks in week one, I would argue Georgia has a little bit more of an opportunity to work out their kinks in week one because they open with Arkansas and no offense to the hogs, but like this ain't going to be a year. So <laughs> Georgia's going to have a little more uh, flexibility in week one, a little more cushion to work out those growing pains and Auburn is actually going to need to be clicking by week one. So that'll be a really interesting matchup. It always is. But uh, that one, that one makes me nervous. I'm not going to lie. And and by week two, I, I think that it's going to be a, a really tough test. I'm not sure if how we'll fare in that one. Moving on to week three, we will match up with the Hogs. Sam Pittman, a new coach in Fayetteville. We will be at home to face Arkansas. This is always an interesting one for Coach Malzahn. Obviously, there has been talk for years that he was going to take the head coaching job at Arkansas, but Sam Pittman gets the gig. Felipe Franks is now in Arkansas. He's not one of my favorites, I'm going to be honest with you, but I certainly think that, you know, it's a veteran guy who knows how to command an offense. We saw him do that at Florida. So it it could be interesting, but I really think this is going to be potentially the first game where we can kind of work some of those kinks out that I mentioned. Yeah, usually it takes – the first game is usually kind of like, okay, we're filling each other out, and especially for us offensively because we have a new offense coordinator in Chad Morris. Even though it's a similar mm-hmm. system to what Gus has ran, it still has to be yeah. put together on the field and in game situations. I think – and then you're going to get a tougher task against Georgia. But like you say, I think the breakout game for our offense is going to come against Arkansas. I think our defense will be challenged in the first week against Kentucky. They will also be challenged again against Georgia because I don't think they're going to run a Jake Fromm offense. I think they're going to run more of an offense where they move around the quarterback a lot more. So that's going to gear us up to get ready for Arkansas. Arkansas, like you say, Frank's coming in, veteran quarterback. Anytime you have a veteran quarterback in this league, it helps a little bit. It may not Mm -hmm. help a lot, but it does help a little bit. And I think for us, this is the game for us to break out and kind of like, okay, we got the spring game out the way, which is Kentucky, which is still a tough challenge, but I'm just putting it in format to have a spring game. And then you get the Georgia game, which is considerably like, okay, this is your first game after your spring game. Now we're into that third game, which is of the season, 
that kind of is the game that when teams start to figure out, okay, this is who we are, this is who we are becoming. So I think the Arkansas game is a critical game for us to figure out who we're going to be offensively and what are we doing on defense. Do we have the depth as we had last year? Yeah, I agree. I think that that one will be a really good opportunity for us to see guys perform with a little more confidence, a little more calmness. I won't be surprised in week one, certainly in week two, you're going to see a lot of nerves. You're going to see some jitters. You're going to see some guys, probably some dumb penalties, just just a lack of comfortability out there because they're going to have to, you know, dust their shoulders off a little bit and get used to being out there. And by week three, I think you'll have a better understanding of what this team is putting together. So then we head into week four. This is the first of our two added opponents for the 10-game SEC-only schedule. We will be going down to Columbia to Hmm. face the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Now, this is exciting. Obviously, living in Charlotte, I have a lot of friends that are South Carolina alums. So this is a cool matchup that we don't often get to do. We were actually slated to play them next season, so we just added in another one. Uh, But I – I don't want to offend anybody, but I really don't have all that high of hopes for South Carolina. I think Ryan Helensky is a great story, and I think he has a lot of potential. Unfortunately, it just doesn't feel like Coach Muschamp has that thing gelling, and I'm not entirely sure why. You know, he's been there long enough. You would think that recruiting would have picked up a little bit more. I know they've got some some great recruits. They've got a five-star recruit in Jordan Birch, uh, and, and they have high hopes for him. But I, it just doesn't seem like things are clicking as of yet. And you go into each season for the past few years feeling like South Carolina just isn't going to be a threat. Yeah, and this is one of those seasons where this game kind of scares me just a little bit. And I'll tell you the reasons why. The reason why is Tavares Robinson is defense coordinator who played at Auburn with me. And then, and then Will Muschamp was at Auburn, and, and, and now he's the head coach of South Carolina. And this is the year where for them – it's all or nothing. And what I mean by that is either they have a really good winning season and they're in competition to get and compete against Georgia and Florida to get to the SEC championship game, or they have a losing season. And I think this is it for them. So when you're going into their house, which is tough, but like you said, there's not going to be a full fan base. So it makes it a little bit different because now – Everything is off S's and O's. When it comes to games where football is such an adrenaline game, such an emotional game, like kids make plays. They make sacks off getting up off the high of the energy of the crowd. Now, it's about S's and O's. Who can execute S's and O's better than the other? And Tavares Robinson is a game that he's probably going to want. Uh, Will Muschamp is a game that he's going to want because both of them have been on the staff with Gus before. And yeah. it's a fun robbery. It's not nothing bitter. It's just a fun robbery. And uh, yeah. I just feel like this is a game that we really have to circle on our calendar because, you know, we hear it every year. You know, there, what can be that sleeper game that can pop up on you if you're not walking into it in the right, in the right mindset? This is that game, I think, for Auburn. I can see that. I think if I had to pick one, a sleeper game, I would actually say Kentucky. But I agree with you. I mean, the guys can't go into it with the mentality that I just had, feeling like South Carolina is one that isn't really a threat. You you feel like it's a pretty comfortable win. It's so different this year because obviously we can typically look at the schedule and go ahead and count the ones that are guaranteed wins. Mm-hmm. In an SEC-only schedule, you really can't do that. Even me assuming the Arkansas game is going to be where we show out. For all we know, Franks is going to run the table. Like, 
you just you aren't going to be as sure this season and the guys can't be either they have to head into every single week assuming that this is going to be a hard-fought battle and going into Columbia a place where these guys have not played is going to be a tough test for them I just feel like coming off a home game where our prediction is things will start gelling you got to feel like that confidence will have risen and the same way that Muschamp and his staff know a lot about Malzahn, Malzahn knows about them. So both benefits exist on both sides. And I I feel like this will be a fun one and an exciting matchup we don't always get to see, but that's one that I have more confidence when I look at this schedule overall. Week five, we head on the road again. Jason, you mentioned before we started recording, but I'll go ahead and say it on here. We do not have back-to-back home games this Mm -hmm. season. So that is an interesting development, but we do have back-to-back road games and this is one of them week five we head to oxford to play Ole miss led by new coach lane kiffin now obviously this is going to be a story of the season right so many new coaches in the sdc but most eyes are probably on lane kiffin obviously a former saban guy and and molded by one of the best but You know, he's a little spitfire. He's not afraid to uh, (laughs) ruffle some feathers and cause some controversy. So you got to think that that Ole Miss team is going to play with a bit of a chip and an edge. Teams kind of take on the persona and the personality of their head coach. I feel like I see that often from my position. So I really feel like Ole Miss may be a scrappy team this year. So this is one, if you're talking about circling and and keeping your – your antenna's up. I, I would do that heading into Oxford. Well, Taylor, you're exactly right. Uh, you're straight on the bullseye. Players do take out their coach mentality. And mm-hmm. with Lane Kiffin being such a young coach and probably driving up to Memphis, getting some of that Memphis barbecue and shipping it back on down <laughs> to some of his players, you know, during training camp and, you know, going up there getting some blues and jazz up in Memphis, <laughs> you know, you know, those guys will – adapt to his mentality and one thing about lane you can say what you want to say he brings fun to football and you know a lot of times he gets a lot of headaches and credit because of things away from the game of football but when you just lines it up between the field his offense is impeccable like they do a lot of nice things when he was at alabama he took it to another level and then so you have to expect and one thing i've always respected old miss about is they always have big receivers and mm-hmm. those guys, they come and they perform. And I don't see nothing less this year. I see those guys that got some big recruits in the receiver room again. And Lane loves to attack the loves to attack the opponent defense. And for us, our secondary is basically new. So we have to be ready in this game to understand that he's going to take his shots. He's always a shot guy. He takes at least two shots every quarter, which equals up to eight shots per game. And that's what a lot of coaches try to aim for. And some get to that and some don't. But he's one of those coaches that has that circle on his paper when he's calling up plays because he does try to get his shots in every game to give his guys an opportunity to make big plays. And look, I he has some weapons at quarterback. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're going to expect John Rice Plumley to get the starting job. He also plays baseball at Ole Miss. He's a center fielder. This guy can run. But also, Matt Corral is a backup. He's not anyone to sleep on either. This is a dual-threat guy, and, and he'll surprise you. Neither of them are that big, but they're very athletic, and they're very smart guys. They know how to read the field, and they know how to use their athleticism and their legs when they need to. So this will certainly be a test for our defense. And I think when you've got skill sets like that at the quarterback position, and then you've got a, a guy like Lane Kiffin, kind of an offensive-minded guy, and the 
like you said, the weapons that they have out on the perimeter, the size that they have out there, this offense could absolutely click in a way that is going to shock some people. So that is definitely one that I will keep my eye on. I would love to go to that one. Oxford has some good freaking food. Let me tell you that much. Yeah, they Oxford have got some, some great restaurants. And you I know? love the Grove. The Grove is also <laughs> The Grove awesome. is fun. <laughs> yeah, the Grove is super Likely fun. no one's going to be there because <laughs> we expect no tailgating on campus, but, you know, it is it is an awesome place for sure. Well, then we head into my personal favorite game of the season, and this one just is even more special because it falls on one of my favorite holidays this year. We are hosting the LSU Tigers on Halloween, people. Mm. This is going to be awesome. I am very – the LSU game is always my favorite. My family on my mom's side has ties to LSU. We've got some LSU alum on that side. So it's always a fun matchup for me. And something about this game, man, is just always – it has a spark to it. We don't necessarily consider it – you know, one of our rivalry games. We don't have like a title, I guess, of, you know, the Iron Bowl, Deep South's oldest rivalry. But this LSU game always matters. It is always a defining moment of the season. I even think last year's loss defined us in a way because even though it was a loss, it was the hardest fought game that LSU had their entire season and they Mm -hmm. won the title that showcased what we were for Derek Brown. I think the LSU game is part of why he was the number seven overall pick. They looked at that game and saw how much of a problem he was for Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick. And everyone knew he was serious. This game holds so much value and it's going to be on Halloween. Let's freaking go. I'm going to be so hyped <laughs> for this one. This is a game. I, we always play Ole Miss on Halloween. So this is a, a definitely a good switch up. Um, yep. Because LSU game to me is crazy things always happen around Halloween time. And for the totally. LSU game, I always say it's the anything can happen game. That's what I call it every year because you never know what you're going to go into. You're never going to go into a defensive battle where there's only one touchdown or there's three field goals and it's a seven to six game or 10 to nine game, or are you going to get six interceptions to come back and win a game? Or are you going to go, or the gymnasium catches on fire? You know, it's just so many things (laughs) have happened in this rivalry. And, uh, and it dates back all the way for in the 80s. Like, and it's just a historic robbery. And yeah, it's almost, to me, it's up there with the other two, the Georgia and Alabama game. Because to I me, totally every agree. year, this game kind of defined if you was going to be competing for the SEC championship game at the end of the year, or you wasn't. And this was yep. a game you always had to get through because LSU usually be number three or four on our schedule. When it sees when it comes out now, it's been pushed down to week six. So, you know, last year was pushed back a little bit after the Florida game, which was a nightmare because we had the hardest back to back road games in all of college sports, you know, to go into the Florida and to LSU. So I just mm-hmm. believe our team is going to be ready for this game. No one knows what to expect from LSU because their whole offense is going to look new. And then yeah. defensively, so both sides of the ball is basically new coordinators. So, oh, yeah. but, you know, Isaminger still there. My coach that had me at Auburn, he's still the offense coordinator. And uh, so we'll see how things how things go because, you know, they got Scott Linehan who came over from the NFL. So he's an experienced offensive coordinator who's been in the NFL for a long time. So I don't think there's going to be much of a huge drop-off as far as what they do offensively, but they probably won't put up the record numbers, but they still going to be very, yeah. very effective. 
I agree. I mean, recruiting has been successful at LSU. I agree with you. I don't think what they do will necessarily look that different. The personnel executing will be. And so it's just a matter if if they can kind of get that thing going and if they have the personnel to get the wins that they did last season. I mean, obviously you're losing the Joes. Joe Burrow and Joe Brady have both left. So what that team built their identity on last year, that kind of shock factor offense. Oh, and by the by, majority of their defense will be suiting up to play on Sundays. So this is going to be a very different look night and day as far as personnel goes. So it's just a matter of, of how the new people step up and execute. But Look, LSU is always going to have freak athletes. It's just a matter of what they are able to execute come game day. Then we finally get a bye week. After six straight weeks of SEC competition, we get a rest week and then head into week eight at Mississippi State. Now, speaking of not really knowing what to expect from a team, I would say State is kind (laughs) of like that. They'll be under, you know, the new coach, Mike Leach, the pirate, someone else who's going to add – A lot of personality into the conference. I'm excited to see some of his halftime interviews. I assume he will be uh, very energetic. But really some question marks in Starkville. Not entirely sure what to expect from them. But, you know, this is always one that you got to keep an eye on. Hopefully it's not a two to three game. You know what I mean? Right. You know, this is a game you got to keep your eyes on. You know, the way Mike Leach came into this thing probably wasn't the right exactly way you want to walk into Starkville. You know, he made some some comments that kind of went sideways and then he lost a few good players because of it. So now he's trying to rebuild trust and character back into his players and back into the people that hired him. So, you know, this is a season that he really wants to get off going really well. And like you say, Mike Leach is a terrific offensive minded coach and Mm -hmm. expect everything. And he he would draw up anything at any time. And I think this is what makes the SEC so unique this year. When you add him and Lane Kiffin to the side of the SEC West again, it's the reason I say it's the strongest side of the conference because every year we have solid coaches and we also have dynamic players. And it's always a toss-up when you're playing against teams like this because you just never know what to expect. But for us, we get six weeks to watch them first and see what Mike Leach offense is going to look like. Because when you run his style offense, it just doesn't happen the way he did at Washington State in one year, you know, yeah. at Mississippi State. This thing takes time to get rallying up to the way that he's used to running his offense. But I tell you what, when a coach has nothing to lose and everything to gain, be careful. I will not be surprised if Mississippi State's offense is kind of a everything but the kitchen sink approach at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like I could yeah. just see Mike Leach throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what sticks. I feel like there will be a method to his madness, but it might look like madness at first. So yeah. that'll certainly be an interesting story to see develop as season goes on and certainly to see what what they've got by the time they face us week eight. Then heading into week nine, we've got another home game versus Tennessee. This is the second East opponent that had to be added to our schedule. So we will get to host the Vols led by Jeremy Pruitt. This one will be interesting. I think each year Tennessee is is tired of saying we're working through growing pains. You know, right. they that's been their story for a few seasons. They had some bright spots last year. And I think this, the, this group of players and coaching staff are finally starting to buy into what Pruitt wants to build there. It just, sometimes it takes a minute for everything to gel. Yeah, Tennessee game, uh, you know, over the years, Auburn has done very well against Tennessee. But you think about this game, like I said, Jaron Pruitt has increased their, or I will say this, 
they have gotten better under him over the last couple of years. You know, they was about ready to oust him after the first year. He's recruiting very well, too. He's recruiting very well, and he's getting better talent in there. And people have to understand, these things take time. Like, we're in such a world now where everyone wants change so quickly. Like, you have to be a little patient sometimes in order to get what you really want. And I think now Mm -hmm. that Tennessee is kind of turning the curve. And, you know, it helps him by having a former coach that's over him and Philip Former, who understands the toolage right. of a coach. You know, not all administrators understand that. And, you know, he's a guy that's been in that seat and he's walked that sideline. So that helps Jeremy Pruitt a lot and gives him more confidence in what he's doing. So for Auburn, I think this is a game we win. Uh, I think it's still a close game because I do think expect Tennessee to be better. Uh, their quarterbacks is a little bit more experienced. I think is it still Brian Moore, I think, but they're more experienced and they're not walking in there with true freshmen. These guys will come ready to play. I think they're shooting for Georgia and Florida and that's their catch up. Now I think they feel in their mind that they have caught Georgia because all the experience that Georgia lost off of this season. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how the East kind of fares. Well, then we obviously have the big game, but weird, it's not our last game. Week (laughs) 10, we head down to the dreaded town of Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl. Now, like I just said, we'll have another game after that, so that's freaking weird. But Iron Bowl in T-Town by Week 10. What do you expect from Alabama this season, Jason? Ooh, uh, I tell you what, I really did like the quarterback last year when he played against us in Auburn. Like, if it wasn't for the two pick sixes, this kid, you would say, dang, he lit it up. And that was mm-hmm. a tough environment to play in against our defense. And this kid, he was throwing some dimes. And uh, I remember saying that after the game. I said, that kid, now he can throw some dimes. And there are people in Alabama who likes him better than Tua as far as like passing the ball. And so yeah. I've heard some noise down there. So, you know, I expect their offense to still be gelling. Everyone knows Nick Saban's a defensive guy. He always goes out every year. They top two class in recruiting. So, you know, the athletes are going to be there. I think for Auburn uh, going into Tuscaloosa, we've done really well in Tuscaloosa. I think we have way more wins than losses in Tuscaloosa. And I just feel like Gus really does a good job, you know, playing against Saban. I think Saban, looks at Gus as his hardest person to defeat year in and year out because for whatever reason, that's a game you don't have to tell the players to get up for, but Gus always has something up his sleeve for the Iron Bowl. So, I, I, I you know, not for this being the last game is weird, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but for the most part, though, Alabama doesn't play any back-to-back road games. That's, mm. that's a shocker, you know, and uh, so – you know, we'll see what happens because they're, they considerably, they say they have the second easiest schedule out of the SEC play-only schedule this year. So we'll see what right. happens and how that transpires to us later in the season. I agree. I mean, I think Alabama is going to be closer to what we expect from Alabama by this by week 10 of this season than they were at the end of last season. I just think that the, the wind kind of left their sails before season was over. And so I, I will certainly be sweating this one. You always have to. But I do think that there's a lot of talent there, down there and a lot of talent that probably won't be bothered that much by no spring ball in a condensed off season. <laughs> I, I just expect they're going to be – they're going to have that thing working. Okay, so then we wrap up the conference-only season in Week 11 at home versus Texas A&M. Now, I have been saying – For weeks, I have gone on record on this show saying the team I am sweating 
is Texas A&M. So yeah. the fact that this is the last game of the season and we will not face them until they are at the end and have gotten everything worked out and together scares the crap out of me. This is certainly one that I think could be very, very, very tough, especially coming off a road Iron Bowl. The way we're ending this season is going to be incredibly tough. Yeah, exactly. Because Texas A&M is always the team that plays LSU the last game of the year, usually. And uh, it's usually a hard-fought game. And, you know, everyone remembers the seven-overtime game a couple of years ago. But now Auburn gets to play Texas A&M last game of the year. And this is a scary game. Like you said, we're coming off the Iron Bowl, which is a hard-hitting football game. So you know there are sores and there's, you know, nicks and bruises. And now you got to turn around and get right back up. You know, for another team that's really good coming in with a veteran quarterback and, you know, in, in, in Mun. So we definitely have to get ourselves ready to go. I expect this to be a hard fall game and probably for us to probably decide where we end up as far as could decide whether we're going to SEC West or not. Oh, shoot. You're probably right. That is a very good point. Now, that'll wrap up the regular season play. Then everyone will have a built-in bye week. That is also there strategically in case any teams have to forfeit a game due to COVID. They could be rescheduled during that open week. So we could potentially end up having a matchup or one in the conference could be that week. They would be allowed to make it up that week. And then the SEC title game will happen December 19th, Lord willing. Our Tigers will be in that game. That'd be awesome. So that is a look at our schedule. Obviously, some different things, playing some teams we don't typically play. Georgia is at the beginning, LSU on Halloween, and the Iron Bowl isn't the end of the regular season. So there's some weird stuff happening, but we've got football. And a good thing is Georgia, LSU, and Alabama are pretty spread out. They aren't back-to-back. There isn't going to be that same wear and tear going from Georgia to Bama. And and so there is there are some benefits here, but uh, definitely opportunity for some trap games in there and our Tigers are certainly going to need to stay up on the competition now I do want to talk a little bit about what's going on right now preseason camp began on Monday now the season opener is a little more than five weeks away and because of you know extenuating circumstances surrounding this season creating some depth is super important, arguably more important than any other season. So Gus has said that means more 11-on-11, more scrimmage reps than normal during fall camp. Practice is going to be, he said, more creative. They're doing things way differently, obviously. They're going to have to get guys in, in that condition, get them ready for a game atmosphere in a very condensed amount of time. He said the goal is to get more information in a faster period of time than we normally do. So this is not a time for tradition. This preseason <laughs> camp is not going to look the same as normal, but we've said for the past several months, the teams that can adapt, the teams that can be flexible during a time like this are probably the ones that are going to come out on top by season. Yes. And the teams that control their mindset, mindset, everything starts yeah. with your mindset. And I think for these kids, it's so vital this year because all off season, you have heard either they're going to be a season or not a season. So these kids' minds have been played with a yo-yo. And mm-hmm. one minute you got to get up to get ready to play. The next minute you don't even know if you're having one. And I think a lot of them are still at the point where even though the season is set, we're rolling and we're going, 
some of them are still kind of, I think, on edge because some of them is like, do I, are, are we sure we going all the way? Am I checked all the way in? You cannot walk into a football stadium with your mind halfway ready to do something. You have got to go in there full go and full throttle. So if I'm a guy that's on the team, I'm saying, guys, if I'm a leader, I'm saying, guys, look, we're all the way in this and we're all the way in this together. Check in. Do not be halfway checked in. Do not be checked out. Check in. And yeah. it starts today. And the teams that handle that mindset the best is going to be the teams that's going to be successful this year. These kids have got to get their minds ready. You adapt to what's going on now. If something changes later, you adapt then. But for right now, yeah. check all the way in. 100%. They have to. I mean, we've got a lot of time to make up for that would have ordinarily been spent getting motivated, getting ready. So they've got to be locked in from here on out. And also just PSA, if you're on campus, if you're in Auburn, you have a part to play in this. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk, some pictures coming out of downtown and the bars and campus, so much so that the university has now mandated for masks to be worn outdoors on campus as well as indoors because People are being too lax, and you may think that you have no role in this, that the players are are doing all that they can, and if you go to the bar without a mask, that's not going to affect anything. You also may be considered this football season a loss anyway because you likely aren't going to be able to attend. But that is not the mentality that the Auburn family should have. We support each other. We help each other. Wear a freaking mask if you're anywhere near Auburn, okay? It's the least you can do. I'm glad you said that because I have friends that are in Auburn that are older people. And they said when mm -hmm. school was out, it was easier for them to get around, but everybody was wearing a mask and they could go and still eat and do things. They said now, since the kids have come back, they said all the grocery stores and everything is just packed out. Stuff is gone, but they, they are afraid to walk in a store because they said there's so many kids in there with no mask and they're walking around towns mm -hmm. with no mask and people that are working in these places are nervous because of it. But thankfully they have come out and mandated the fact Auburn is known as a retired area as well. So if you don't mm -hmm. want to protect yourself then protect the elderly. Oh, that's so true. Such a good point. It's, it's the least we can do. Um, okay. I want to get your input on <laughs> after we just broke down our entire schedule for the fall the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are not playing. I want to get your thoughts on this because obviously this transpired after we recorded our last episode. The Big Ten came out first, Pac-12 shortly followed, saying that their medical advisory groups have given them uh, all the information that they needed and the best decision is to forego playing in the fall. The plan is to play in the spring. Is that going to happen? I think not. Pac-12 and Big Ten make this decision very dramatic, you know, decision to not play SEC, ACC, Big 12, move forward, have their schedules, all systems are a go. I mean, what's confusing here is just the discrepancy of information that's being received. Like, how are the Big 10 and Pac-12 being given information that says, oh, we got to pull the plug so early, abruptly, blah, blah, blah. And ACC, SEC, Big 12 are going, um, we have medical advisory groups too, really you know, well-drained, intelligent people that are telling us we can move forward under these protocols. Like, 
I understand this thing has been a regional virus since it started. It's affected different aspects of the country in different ways at different times. So not entirely surprising that there would be a difference in information, but such drastic differences that two parts of the Power Five are not playing at all and three are. And I just... My heart goes out to the players whose seasons got completely taken away from them and who are sitting here going, I may never play college ball again. And also to the athletes that are in states that college ball can't happen, but NFL and high school ball are both happening. There just seems to be a disconnect, and it's very disappointing to see that happen for these guys. Yeah, it's disappointing. There's a few things I want to touch on in this area. Like, number one, I feel like the Big Ten, you know, they rushed their decisions so quickly. Um, Agreed. They did this. They did this in July when they rushed the decision to not play, only play conference games, mm-hmm. and then they rushed the decision again in this matter. When I feel like you still had time to get more research, you still had time to figure things out and to understand. Like you're the Big Ten, you have funding to make sure that these tests are getting done right. So it's either that you yeah. want to spend the money or you don't want to spend the money. And then when it comes to the Pac-12, they're out west. California is a huge state. They have a couple teams in California. But at the same time, you would think like they would have resources as well. So to me, it's it goes to the point where I think a lot of these ADs or presidents of these schools, they don't want to be held on liability. And yeah. the thing for them to do was to say, okay, there's no season. Okay, Taylor, the one thing about this going on is, we don't even know if the virus is going to be gone in the spring. I think this is a new normal for a little while. Like it may get better because of vaccine come out, but people still going to be a little hesitant even then. And it's going to take a while before this thing is like completely wiped out. So you don't even know that. So with all the doctors and everyone that we have that are working hard, like you say, you're trying to keep these kids in a bubble and the more that you can keep them in the bubble, the better opportunity they have to be healthy because you just turn them loose and they just everywhere. Now it really can spread with the players and, and with their families and everything. But trying to keep them in a bubble such as the NBA, of course, that's easier to do than having kids on campus and trying to keep guys, you know, you're trying to keep an 18, 22 year old, make sure he stays in his seat and not going to visit someone. It's probably one of the hardest things ever right now. You know, so but my whole thing about this whole thing is college football needs a CEO president. And what I mean by that is, yes, every conference has their own commissioners. I'm fine with that. But at the end of the day, you need someone that is over all the commissioners and over all the college football. And the reason I say that is because you don't get in situations like this. You cannot have two of the top five power conferences not playing, the rest of them playing. And like you said, high school football is playing, NFL is playing, but then you have kids sitting at home watching and not having the opportunity to play, but they're still under the same rules and protocol as every other student that's on campus. So why can't I go play football? Right. Oh, I'd be super disappointed. And and it doesn't feel like they're willing to be united, which was also disappointing. The the goal of all of this, what some conferences said they were under the impression of, was that the Power Five was going to be united in their decision-making process, in when decisions were released. And Big Ten continually kept going rogue and leaving everyone else to be like, wait, 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 what'd you 
why'd you do that? How'd you do that? Like the SEC is going, we would love to hear what kind of information you received that made you pull the trigger because we haven't heard that. Mm -hmm. So the disconnect, I totally agree with you. It's what play nice. And this thing would have gone down a lot more smoothly. And, and now you've got a lot of athletes that are incredibly disappointed. There have been several that tweeted saying, okay, well, can we go play in the SEC? Because they, they felt like it was wrongly done. So it's disappointing. And I I've done a few interviews about this in the past couple weeks. And obviously, you know, the, the ramifications of not having a season are there. I think for a lot of people thinking, Oh, the, it's an easy decision. You canceled the season because we got to protect these players. You, you aren't thinking about the ramifications for their future that exist in not having a season. And everyone keeps using the Joe Burrow example, and I think it's the best one. If you go back one year, Joe probably would have been a six-round pick if that. One season changed his life. He ended up the number one overall draft pick. One season did that for him. So there are consequences to both sides of this, which is exactly why you needed to exhaust all efforts, take every ounce of time you possibly could before making a decision that could impact the future of these kids. I certainly am grateful to be in the SEC, I'll tell you that much, because uh, I, I will be excited to see these guys play. And more than that, I trust that the conference and the universities are doing their part to keep these guys safe and have protocols in place so that we don't end up with any kind of, of casualty because the casualties are our lives and, and that's no casualty at all. That will do it for us on this episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening to us break down the schedule. We are one step closer. We are getting there. Okay. We've got gosh, less than a month before we'll be able to see them take the field. So stay with us, hang with us, everyone stay patient and uh, excited about season because these guys are working hard and they're sacrificing a lot to be able to play this game. So we need to support them in any way that we can. All right, Auburn family, thank you for listening. We will talk next time. And as always, War Damn Eagle. War Eagle. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.